Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Over the past couple of years, Pablo and I have read so many personal development and personal finance books. And in this episode, we're going to share some of the best things that we've learned from reading over a hundred different books. So you can also hopefully get some good book recommendations as well. Hey friends, this is Queenie. And Pablo. And welcome back to another episode. Pablo, what's your money win? My money win is that we just moved back to our old apartment that we bought. And it's just so nice to not have the hassle of, you know, being on some landlord's property and whatnot. So that's the money win. <laughs> just the peace of mind. Yeah, the peace of mind is so, so, so important. Yeah, well, my money win is that we recently got a Thermomix and it just saves us so much time in the kitchen. Like, honestly, Pavel and I made all of these meals last week and it was just crazy fast. Like, usually we would be so tired after making just one meal and we were able to pump out quite a few of them in the same day. So it's just amazing. Yeah, very, very grateful that we have it. Yeah, for sure. Like, we literally made so much food, but... The good thing is that we're able to like just start it and then it just cooks by itself and then do other stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we can do our life admin and we still did fun stuff on the weekend, you know, like the life admin didn't take up too much time thanks to the Thermomix. So that was really good. Saving yeah. money, saving time. Love that. Because time is money. That's a big money win. It definitely is. Just remember that anything that we talk about in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't constitute personal financial advice. You can read our full financial services guide in my description. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our land and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Okay, Queenie, so what is the first book on your list? Okay, so the first book on my list is something that I read last year. And that's 101 essays that will change the way you think. And there was this part of the book that was honestly just mind-blowing. And that is, there's a theory that the things that you love about other people, those are actually the things that you love about yourself. But the things that you don't like about other people, those are the things that you can't really see in yourself or maybe you don't really want to see those things in yourself. You might be kind of like trying to, I guess, hide it from yourself in a way. But that was really interesting because it, it made me do a lot of self-reflection on what are some things that I love about other people. Those are probably the things I like about myself. And I found that definitely true. And the things that I don't like about other people, I can confirm like there is some sort of like aspect of that being true. You know, it's really interesting. Yeah, you say it's true. Like, do you have any example, Quinny, to share with us? Yeah, yeah. So for example, the things I love about other people, I love people that have, I don't know, they're just really positive, you know, good to be around, great energy. And I do think I, I love that about myself. And I do try to give off positive energy and be really positive. So I love it when I meet other people that are like that. And the things that I don't like about other people... I really don't like people that are selfish. So for example, like say if we're eating food or something 
and then someone takes the last chip, you know, I'll be like looking at them like, oh, they took the last chip. But then like in my mind, I wish I could be that person that could take the last chip. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just I, it's just a little thing because I wish I could be more selfish because I'm a bit of a people pleaser, and obviously there are some things that this wouldn't really work for. Like if you hate murderers, that doesn't mean that you're a murderer. You know, like there, I guess it depends on like some things where you just get a little bit, I don't know, pissed off about, and you don't quite know why, and it might not be really justified. Those are some things that. You might need to look in yourself and see, like, why does it tick you off so much, you know? And it, it can tell you a lot about yourself. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I guess for people listening now, like, maybe think about your friend and things that you really like about them and friends or other people, things that you don't like about them. And that would be interesting to reflect on that. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Any ones to share for you, Pablo? Well, for me, I really like people that are organized, you know, like let's say we go on holiday with friends and they are like, you know, planning the holidays and, you know, see where we're going and stuff like that. And then I don't have to do it first. And then I really enjoy it because something that I guess I like about myself, like organization and stuff like that. And then things that I don't like would be more like flashiness and, you know, flexing on social media and stuff like that. Maybe I wish I could do it, but I don't want to do it. (laughs) He probably doesn't want to do it, but he kind of wishes he didn't care. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And what about you, Pablo? What's the first book on your list? The first book on my list is one that I've recently read. It's called Who Not How. And it's basically teaching people, uh, teaching us how to rethink the way we think. Rethink the way we think. (laughs) And basically, it's like, you know, it talks about this story, the, the author, that you are at school, you know, you are taught that you need to know how to do everything. And, you know, in a test, you need to know how to do it. And if you get the help of someone else, it's cheating. But in the business world nowadays, it's not cheating to get someone's help. You know, for example, you can get like a contractor to help you, you know, do your invoices or your accounting. And it's like leveraging other people to go further. And that's basically all the mentality about the book and the author actually takes it a step further because he doesn't even write the book and he's open about it. He got a who to write the book and then he discussed some points, but basically that's how he runs his life. Mm, It's a really interesting concept. I love that. Pablo and I were reading it together and yeah, it was a really great book and it is interesting to reshape the way that you think. And something that I also really got out of the book is that not only can you find who's to help you make your life easier, but you also become a who for other people. You know, you can be a who that other people come to for advice or to rely on in certain things. Like if you're really good at something, you will be a who for other people. And you will also be a who for other people by giving them opportunities to do the things that they really love. You know, so for example, if you really don't like sending invoices or doing accounting, there will be somebody who loves doing that stuff, you know? So you're giving that opportunity to someone who loves that. And I'm sure there are things that you love doing that maybe other people don't really like doing. And so therefore they can rely on you as a who to do those things. So yeah, I I just love the concept because it's like what goes around comes around. And yeah, it's definitely really important, you know? Like it's, it's nice to be able to rely on other people and also to have other people rely on you too. 
exactly. It's not like a one-way thing. It's like a two-way thing and you give and you receive. And that's the, the good thing about that. And you can really, you know, go further and people also can go further. Exactly. Yeah. I love that, Pablo. Really, really cool. Thank you. What's your next book, Quinny? So the next book is called Do Less. And this is another book that we read last year. And what I found really, really insightful from this book is, you know how people always say you should do the 20% of work that brings you 80% of the results? I would always think to myself like, yeah, that sounds great in principle, but how do I actually find the 20% of work that brings 80% of the results? And what I really loved in this book is that they actually gave you a framework and an activity to do so that you can actually figure out which activities are bringing you 80% of the results. And this is how it goes. So basically on a piece of paper, draw a line straight down the middle. On one side of the piece of paper, you're going to write down all of the things that you do every single day, all of the things that take up time in your day, from writing emails, maybe making content if you're a content creator, etc. And then on the other side of the column, you're going to write down some of your biggest career or business wins to date. And this is the fun part. Start to link the one side to the other. So start to link the activities that bring the big wins and the activities that have the most connections to your big wins, you're going to circle those activities. And that's essentially going to tell you the 20% of work that will bring you 80% of the results. So if you can concentrate on doing those things and doing those things as a priority, you will hopefully get more career and business wins in your life. So I just love this principle. I think it's really, really important. And yeah, it's a really fun activity to do and it doesn't take too much time either. Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting to have that, you know, link between tasks and wins because sometimes you do tasks that have nowhere to be found any wins. And sometimes you do tasks that have like, you know, big wins. And I was actually reading another book related to that is called Buy Back Your Time. And it talks, you know, the 20% AD is actually 595 for entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's really big. So I think you're focusing time into, you know, for us creating content. That was like the big realization. Obviously, it makes sense. But just doing those links really helped us find out those things. It sure did. It sure did. So, Pablo, what's your next book? My next book is called The Mom Test. And basically this book is about like product design and creating a product. But how do you create it? Asking the right question. So basically we're actually launching a product in January. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, we're very excited. We are. And what we started doing is interviewing our subscribers. You listening. And thanks again for listening. Thank you so much. And basically in these interviews, we are literally asking questions, you know, will you like this? Will you do this? Will you do that? And then be like, people will be like, yeah, yeah, I will do that. I will buy this. I will buy that. And then literally like anyone could say, yes, they will, because we were not asking the right question. And in this book, they're basically showing like the mom test talking to you. is talking about how to ask the right question to people and asking them, you know, what is your journey? Like, what do you do about budgeting, for example? And then taking us through the real 
actual stuff that they are doing rather than hypothetical things. Yeah, that was really interesting for us to learn that the type of questions that we should be asking instead is what do you actually do? So how do you actually do your budgeting, for example, or how do you do your finances every month? And then from those answers, by asking those types of questions, people are much less likely to lie to you because they don't really know what your product is. They don't really know how to make you happy. So they're just answering what they do in their everyday life. So that was a really good one. Yeah, for sure. The next book that I wanted to talk about, it's actually the same book, <laughs> Do Less, but this was a really, really interesting concept for me. Before I was pregnant, I would have periods every month and I was somebody that never used to track my periods. I had no idea when I was going through my period or the different cycles, but after reading this book, I learned a lot more about the different cycles of my period and also how I can use the different phases of the menstrual cycle to my advantage for my productivity in my business and in my work. And it's honestly changed my life so much. So what I learned is that there are essentially four different phases of the menstrual cycle. So there's the menstrual cycle stage, obviously. So there's the ovulation stage, there's the luteal phase, there's the menstrual stage, and finally there's the follicular stage. And in different stages of the menstrual cycle, you might go through different types of moods, through the menstrual cycle. And I found this really, really fascinating. As soon as I started tracking my periods, I realized that it's actually 100% true. So during the menstrual stage, this is a stage where it's really good for self-reflection. Maybe it's good for doing more of your analytical kind of like tasks where you're just kind of like maybe looking at data, you're reviewing things and you're preparing for the next stage. Whereas during the ovulation stage, which is the stage where you're the most fertile, this is the stage where it's really good to do sales calls. It's really good to collaborate with other people because that is when you're at your peak energy. And I found this really, really fascinating. So if you are somebody that menstruates, it's a really great idea to start tracking your period and just understand your different stages and how this might affect you and how you perform at work. And if you can, if you do have the flexibility in your job or in your business to be able to kind of like shape your role around your menstrual cycle, I highly recommend doing this because this has honestly been such a huge, huge, huge game changer for me. So yeah. Highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. I guess we started tracking your period when we're trying to get pregnant. But how is the cycle now that you're pregnant? Is it still the same 20 days or how does it work? I actually don't know. So I should probably check that. But I don't know. It doesn't seem too different. I Sometimes I am a bit moody, but like not as much as when I was going through my periods. Yeah, so that was really interesting. It is interesting. And I think in that book, they mentioned that like is for men is 24 hour cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. 24 hour cycles. But something really interesting for all of us is that since we are essentially animals, the moon also does affect us in different ways as well. And it actually has been backed up by science and data. So what they have noticed is during full moons, people tend to be a lot more restless. And Pablo actually has this app that tracks our sleep. And what we have noticed from this app is that during the full moons, those are the nights where we have the worst sleep which is really, really interesting that data and science actually backs this up. Because when you think about it, 
we're made up of around 80% water and the moon affects the tides all around the world, you know? So if we're 80% water, of course it's going to affect our mood. So it's really, really interesting to understand, you know, how I guess like all these other things that we might not see in our everyday life, how they, they can actually affect us, you know, and, and affect our mood. So yeah, very fascinating, hey? It is very fascinating. It's funny that it's like 28 days, 20 day period, you know, it's like all linked to each other, like all these things. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And I guess back in the old days, before we had all of this different technology, which kind of like changes our hormones and our moods a little bit. But back in the early days, a lot of women would actually sync with the moon. Their menstrual cycles would sync with the moon. And there would be some women that wouldn't sync with the moon and they would be taking care of the women that were going through their periods. So it's it's really interesting that that can also affect, yeah, it's really interesting how it all links together. We're all connected. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> so Pablo, what's your next book? My next book is actually from Stephen Bartlett that has also a podcast and it's called The Diary of a CEO. And the book is actually following the same name, The Diary of a CEO. And in this book, there's like basically 30 laws to life laws, basically. And one of the laws is talking about when you don't know something, you know, lean in. And what it means basically is that you want to learn as much as you can. You know, you don't want to be like avoiding conflict, or not conflict, but avoiding thinking about, you know, learning new things. So for example, there was this crypto thing like a couple of years ago. And instead of, you know, withdrawing yourself, lean in to understand what it's like. And I guess they talk about, you know, lots of different situations that you want to learn as much as you can. Obviously, you don't have to spend so much time, but rather than leaning out and then be left out. He takes the example of, for example, Kodak. And, you know, they were like the top print cameras in all time, like in the 2000 or something like that. And then the CEO of Kodak did not want to lean in into the digital era. And they had like, you know, all these people like saying, hey, we should go into digital cameras and stuff like that, like Sony and all these brands. And they had like the budget and much more money than other brands at the time and more technology in terms of the photography. And the CEO did not want to do it. And then a couple of years later, well, even now, Kodak is nowhere to be found in terms of digital. Mm, that is very, very interesting. Actually, I learned something recently about Kodak. And did you know that they were actually one of the first to explore the technology of digital cameras? But they decided not to go down that path because it would disrupt their existing business model, which was essentially like a subscription model, which worked really well for them because they were selling the cameras, they were selling the film, and then customers would have to take the pictures with the camera, come back in to develop the film at the Kodak stores. So they didn't want to disrupt their own business model. And even though they were already ahead with the technology. So that was a really big loss for them. It was really big and it's so interesting that, yeah, they were ahead and they decided not to. And I guess that's why sometimes you got to think the long term. You know, maybe it's going to work for them to keep it that way for one, two, three years. But then 10 years from now, they, I guess, did not think that. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People will want, you know, to have digital cameras. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that is a really, really good point. Leaning in. I love that. So my next book, actually also from the Diary of a CEO book, the one that really struck out to me was something that I found a little bit controversial at the beginning, and that was the point of never disagreeing. And I was like, what do you mean never disagreeing? You know, what if I disagree with something? I don't want to be somebody that's super agreeable with everything everybody says, even if I don't agree. But basically what he said in this rule is that you should never open an argument with I disagree. Because when you open an argument with I disagree, that other person that you're talking to immediately shuts down. They immediately think this person has not heard me. They're not listening to me. They don't understand my point. And so therefore, I'm not going to listen to anything that they say. So what you should never do is open an argument with I disagree. What you should instead do is try to understand the other person's point of view, why they think the things that they do. Agree with maybe the parts that you actually do agree with and then bring up what you think. And you're much more likely to have a more productive conversation with that other person. And who knows, maybe you'll also be able to get the other person to understand some of your points as well. So I found this really, really interesting and I have stopped saying I disagree straight away. Instead, what I try to do is understand the other people more. And I think it's a good principle for all of us to live by, you know, because imagine if we could all think, you know, I, I actually should try to understand where this other person's coming from. Maybe there'll be a lot less conflict, maybe less wars, you know, hopefully. So I think it's a really good principle to live by. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting, you know, and you don't want them to shut down as straight as you talk, you know, so you want to understand what they're saying and then you know make decision based on that and also they will appreciate that you're trying to understand their point of view yeah exactly exactly so my next book is called everything is figureable from marie folio and basically in this book she talks about you know that in life especially nowadays like you can figure out anything and it's true like i think you know with the internet and with everything Having the mindset of, you know, how you're going to do it, or who is going to help you to do it, or, you know, you can find anything that you want to do. Like, let's say, for example, we wanted to start this podcast. And, you know, maybe like 10, 20 years ago was really hard. But nowadays, you can find all the information, you can get the equipment, and you can do anything that you want. And it's just crazy. And I think having that mindset of being able to figure it out is really important because, you want to, that really opens the possibilities in life, I think. Mm, that's very true. I guess like both of those principles that you spoke about, like the leaning in and also being able to figure out anything out, I think those are really nice, positive 
I don't know, attributes and things to think about in life. You know, either you'll be able to figure out how to do it yourself or you could even figure out how to hire people or how to get people on your team so that they can help you accomplish those things as well. It's really, really interesting. I love that, Pablo. Thank you. Are you agreeing with me to disagree later? <laughs> just no. checking. No, I do agree. I do agree. <laughs> Thank you. Before you find your next book, let's just remind people if they enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to give this podcast a follow so you don't miss an episode. And five-star reviews are really appreciated. So now, Kuni, what is your next book? Okay, so my next book is Die With Zero. And when I initially picked up this book... I did not agree with the title at all. I was like, die with zero. That sounds a bit selfish, to be honest. Don't you think? Like, it, it means like you're just going to, what, spend all of your money and not leave anything for anyone. But after reading this book, my mind was actually changed and it honestly has changed my life. So this may be a little bit controversial, but we want to leave our kids with very little money when we die. And the reason why is because we want to give most of our money away before we die. But something really interesting is if you look at the stats, most people inherit money in their 60s. But when they're interviewed and asked when they would have preferred to receive the money, a lot of them would say they would prefer to receive the money in their 30s or 40s when they're setting up a life, you know, maybe changing careers, starting a business, starting a family, buying a place, buying a car. Those are the times when they probably would have needed the money and would have liked to receive the money. But in the 60s, a lot of people actually don't really need the money that they're inheriting. So that's the reason why we plan to give most of our money away before we die, because the people that we love, the causes that we care about, all of these people would actually prefer to receive our money earlier rather than later. So that was really, really interesting. And yeah, an interesting concept. It kind of like reshaped the way that I was looking at these things. And we've even spoken to our tax accountants. There is actually no difference from a tax perspective, giving your money away earlier rather than later, giving your money away before you die rather than after you die. So I'm like, you know, why not? But also this also does depend on where you live. In Australia, there's no difference, but maybe depending on where you live in the world, there might be a difference. So important to consider that for taxes. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Kuni. And I think it also makes you feel good to give, you know, and to see that person enjoying that money or the gift that you give them rather than, you know, when you're dead, you don't even get to enjoy that because you can see it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like it's better to kind of like give smaller amounts rather than like a big, massive lump sum all at the one time. I feel like people might be more likely to kind of like... I don't know, blow it on stupid stuff if like they just receive a lot of money all at once. So yeah, really interesting principle. Yeah, that's really true because I think I was reading that, you know, for employees, they'd rather have, you know, more incremental pay rise than like a very big one, like every five years or whatever that is. So it's better to do it like more often. Same thing there. Yeah. Ah, it's a very good point as well. I love that. So my next book is Come From Do Less. I think this book is really, really popular in this podcast. <laughs> I guess we liked it. And the point I want to mention is rest and self-care. And basically, you know, I was watching this video about this YouTuber and it talks about 
uh, fitness and you know in fitness season you basically have like maybe 48 weeks to work really hard and then four weeks to rest and I think in this day and age you know the culture of like hustle 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 it's good but you need to rest and you know you need to be able to get your body to rest and get your mind to rest so what we're trying to do now is more you know have something sustainable to not burn out and that's why we have like a team now to help us build those videos build those podcasts but without burning out and I think having time off to rest and you know the weekends off like we used to work like every single day last year well this year we have like weekends off and we have more time to take holidays so I think that really helps with creating more content better content better podcast for you listening and that's really essential yeah that's so true so true I still remember this time last year working on the weekends every weekend working every day like crazy hours and just how stressful it was like life just wasn't enjoyable you know and every day was the same but nowadays I feel like we do have a lot more work-life balance and it's interesting because it's like you would think that you know working more gives you more results but that's not always the case because as we learned about earlier that 20 20% of the work brings 80% of the results principle if you're filling your days with just like kind of like the 80% of things that bring 20% of the results you'll be a lot busier probably a lot more stressed but you might not actually be moving the needle much further anyway and yeah like Pablo said I think it's good to take a rest it's important to rest your body and your body is also part of your mind, you know, like if you don't have a healthy body, if you're not resting yourself, if you won't have a healthy mind either. So I think that they both go hand in hand and they're both really important. Yeah, exactly. It's really connected. And I think something that's true also is, you know, parents, you know, maybe they have kids and they have to pick their kids early from school or whatever, but then they will focus more on what is important and that means they can do more potentially because they just focus on the essential, the 20%. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because we're going to become parents soon. And I have asked a few parents, like, how do they manage things, you know, like their careers or their business and also being parents as well. And yeah, a lot of them have said that they've just focused on the essential things, you know. So I think that's that's nice to think about, you know. So my next book is The Psychology of Money. And something that I really loved about this book is just the concept that if bad luck exists, and I think that we can all agree that bad luck does exist, bad luck does happen, then good luck also exists as well. And I think that it's really important to humble ourselves, especially if we have, you know, had some breakthroughs, had some sort of success in our lives, that sure, a lot of it is hard work, you know, like you don't get those lucky breaks out of nothing, you know, and it's very, very unlikely that you will just get lucky from nothing. But there is a lot of luck at play in life. So I think it's really important to consider wherever you are at in life, you know, that good luck and bad luck exist. And it's more about how much you make of the good luck when it is around and also how you can try to minimize the bad luck and the downsides of the bad luck when it does eventually come around as well. So yeah, important to humble ourselves. Remember, good luck and bad luck exists. And all of us, I'm sure there are some 
ways that we have been lucky in life. You know, there are some things that we can be grateful for, you know, and some things that we may have been privileged to receive, you know, and it's it's important to kind of see those things as not only be grateful for those things that we've been given, but also see how we can, I guess, turn those into opportunities for ourselves and also for others as well. Oh, yeah, that's really important. You know, you won't be always lucky in life or unlucky. And I guess that's how you can manage those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My next book is actually related to luck and it's called Good to Great. And at one stage in the book, Jim Collins talks about, you know, what makes great companies what they are and, you know, are they more lucky or more unlucky or less unlucky than others? And, you know, like you just said, you're not more or less than others. But what they did find was that they are basically making the most of their luck. So let's say if something good happened, they will really ride the wave and make the most of that luck. And also in the other way, minimize the bad luck. Mm, Yeah, that's a really good point and a really great book as well. So I guess we can learn from that, that, you know, when you are lucky on something, you can really try to capitalize on that and, you know, ride the wave. But also, you know, prepare for the bad days, you know, emergency fund, all these things, because you never know what can happen. Yeah, yeah, very true. I love that. I love that. So the next book that I really love is The Barefoot Investor. And something that I really love from this book is that there are essentially three excuses and three very common excuses that people have when it comes to not building wealth or not getting started with their finances. The first one is I'm not smart enough. The second one, I don't earn enough. And the third one, I'm too old. But something that he reminds us of in this book is that nobody is born being smart with money. It's a skill which can be taught. The second thing is that it's not about what you earn. It's about what you save and invest. And the third one is just to think about when do you realistically expect to die? Now subtract that age from this number. And that's how many years you have left to go. So it's not too late. And something, I just love this concept because there are so many success stories that you can see from people after the age of, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s. So it really isn't too late. There was this really nice TikTok video that I saw and it was from Judge Judy. And I just loved it. She was saying, if you don't make it in your 20s, then you'll make it in your 30s. And if you don't make it in your 30s, then you'll make it in your 40s. And if you don't make it in your 40s, then you'll make it in your 50s. And it just kind of like went on like that. And I was like, I love that concept, you know, like it doesn't have to be in your 20s. Like we see all of these crazy success stories, you know, like you can try again in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, you know, like it's not too late as long as you're living as long as you're here on this earth, it's not too late. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, on the media and social media, you always see those crazy stories of like 30 under 30 and Forbes list. But those are actually like, you know, the one in a million people. And obviously you're going to compare yourself to, to those, which is normal. But most people actually, like you said, they make it later in life and it's normal because you have more knowledge. And it's actually, I think better in a way to build slowly, you know, get rich slowly, because then you'll know what to do with your money and your wealth and you'll really appreciate it rather than if it comes so quickly. And I think that's what we see, you know, with like 
American football or basketball or like football player and friends that are really young and earn so much money that get broke really early in life because their career ends at like 30 or 35 and they spent most of their money already. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like it's, I don't know, I just love the mindset of thinking that my best years are still to come, you know, and I feel like every year my life just gets better and better. And I, I'm so grateful for that, you know, so I feel like, yeah, it's a nice mindset. And something else that was interesting as well is that a lot of those Forbes 30 under 30, they've actually done some studies for this, but some of those Forbes under 30 under 30 have actually ended up in jail, like a lot of them, because what goes up really quickly can also come down really quickly. Not saying everyone's like that in the Forbes 30 under 30, but, you know, a lot of them are because a lot of those like overnight success stories, you know, maybe overnight success stories for a reason, which is pretty crazy, hey? Yeah, it's very interesting. And I guess what you realize also behind the scene is there is not always overnight success. It's like, Yes, there are like people that are like successful so quickly in life, but actually if you dig deeper, they've done so much work in the background and that's why they're there today. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. So for my last book, I picked Storyworthy. And in this book, basically this person is like one world champion of like storytelling and it shares all of the tips to tell better stories. And it's really interesting because, you know, when you interact with friends or even when we create those videos, and we want to tell better a story, or as English will say, better story. <laughs> I'm trying to learn the English accent, <laughs> trying to be better at it. <laughs> so after drinking my bottle of water, I'm drinking oh, wow. water. <laughs> and let me drink my bottle of water and tell the story. So basically in that book, the author is sharing all of the tips and then you want to captivate your audience and one key message I return from that book is that you want the story to be changed from the beginning to the end. So if you're going to tell like a real story, start from the end and where you are and then start the beginning at the opposite ways. So let's say, for example, we're watching The Little Mermaid and in that movie, it's actually not about The Little Mermaid, but the dad that changed because at the beginning of the movie, the dad really doesn't want her to become like human. But she really wants to. And then through the story at the end, the dad wants her and helps her become human. And I guess that's the kind of ending and transformation that makes you feel good. Mm, yeah, when Pablo told me this theory, I was like, whoa, mind blown. It was very insightful because it is true. Like she didn't really change throughout the movie. She was always the same. She always wanted to be human. She was always fascinated by humans. Her dad was really the one that changed because at the beginning he was so angry and wanted to stop her. And then at the end, he was, you know, letting her be who she wanted to be. So that was really beautiful. And yeah, it's so nice. A good story always has that transformation. So have a think about it. You know, you'll start to notice in movies that often they'll start at the beginning the opposite to how they end. And that makes it so satisfying because you, you get taken on this journey and you're like, oh, wow, so much has changed, you know? So, yeah, that was like a mind-blowing moment for us. <laughs> it was, it was. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Don't forget to give this podcast a follow if you are enjoying it and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. See you. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 